0: I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel. Um, I'm going to be preaching from chapter 30, a couple of verses there, mainly the first ten verses of, of the chapter. And um, if you're a guest here today, so good to have you. We're glad that you're here. And um, I don't want you to be alarmed, but at the end of our, our message, the end of my message, the practice of our church is that we, we gather together in the front and we give the Spirit of the Lord opportunity to speak to us, to minister to us. Um, after all, he can do more, and in a shorter period of time, than, uh, than you and I can. And so we don't expect you, if you're a guest, we don't expect you to, to join us. But if you choose to join us, uh, we welcome you and we know that God will respond uh, to your faith. Amen, amen. So I'm preaching from uh, 1 Samuel chapter 30 today, and I've titled this message, Finding Your Strength. Finding Your Strength. And um, we're gonna be looking at David, a a particular event in David's life. 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse four, says then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept, lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Until they had no more power to weep. Have you ever cried until you could cry no more? I'm sure that every one of us has had this experience. It's common to to us as humans, that maybe you cried so much and so many tears were shed that even though you may have been crying, tears were no longer flowing. Or maybe uh, you found yourself where you, you were still crying. Maybe it was that ugly, heaving chest cry but really no sound was coming out. You're still weeping, you're still sorrowful, but you're you're just not. You have no more power to cry. You're greatly sorrowed, but you're just wrung out. There's no more. I want to encourage someone today. For David, at this point in his life, it had been... 20 years, over 20 years, since an old priest, an older man named Samuel, had come to where he lived and called him from tending the sheep out in the pasture and had passed all of his brothers up and anointed him on that day to be king, 20 years. Now, some days, 20 years can seem like nothing. Time is this amazing thing, isn't it? We we all know that it's set, but there are times that it can fly by, like watching your kids grow up. I've never heard a parent say, well, that just took way too long. If I could get those years back. I've never heard a parent say, Just hold on, it's going to be a long, rough ride from here. Every parent looks in hindsight and always says the same thing. Enjoy it, because it goes way too fast. On other days, though, time seems to drag, to creep slowly along. And I can remember a day at work in in, in Boeing in in my secular job where the parts for the airplane were on back order and there was no shipments coming in and so we found ourselves with no work to be done. And so the eight-hour shift that was was shorter than the normal shift we had to work just seemed like it never was going to end. It just kept going on and on and by the time i reached lunch i can remember thinking like this is only halfway of the day the day's only half over i'm gonna die before i leave here it just seemed like it slowed everything down because we were sitting around just looking at each other waiting for the time to expire how many of you can relate that some things just seem to happen way too fast? And then other times, other moments tend to just crawl. And I, I imagine it was one of those latter days for David. It seemed like time had probably stood still. Twenty years at this point didn't seem like a short time, it it seemed like a very long 20 years years 20 years that he had been God's anointed king of Israel a man after God's own heart and that was never said of any other man or woman only David he was very special he was chosen a vessel of God to be the king of Israel and he'd had that promise for 20 years but look at him now he's been running from Saul for the last four years and he's found himself trying to survive in caves and taking his army of 600 men and establishing themselves in a a village and he's finding more favor among the enemies of Israel with the Philistines than he is with his own people the people that he's called and chosen to lead that he has anointed to be king over it had to be a long 20 years now how many of us will admit that sometimes when we have a promise from god it can seem like god's not in the biggest hurry i've learned god god's He's not always in a big a hurry as I am. Well, the first point I want to make to you today is this. Where you are does not determine who you are. David was still anointed to be king regardless of where he was at that moment in time. Regardless of the situation he found himself in. He was still anointed to be king you see sometimes what we do is we take our situation or where we find ourselves, and we apply that personally to us and we say well this dictates what i am but the reality is where you are does not determine who you are only god can determine who you are he may have been on the run but he was still king He may have spent a season in caves, but he was still chosen by God. Because where you are does not determine who you are. And so David and his army of 600 men, they choose Ziklag as their home for this time. And uh, Ziklag was a city among all of the Philistines and, and they were finding their welcome there. And David must have been under a tremendous amount of pressure and stress because not only was David responsible for himself and his own family, but he had 600 uh, men who were loyal to him, that he was responsible for being sure that their families were taken care of and that they were adequately adequately supplied for. And, And so they... Establish themselves here, and this is going to be kind of the starting point to David's potential push to become the king of Israel. And he's waiting. And while he's waiting, and while they're trying to survive, and while they're supplying their own needs and trying to keep food on the table, it's in this situation that they're away from the city of Ziklag, and the Amalekites come in and attack the city and they burned the entire city to the ground. They didn't just attack, but they they ravaged the place. The city, every home was burnt. So these men of war come back to find all of their homes are completely burned to the ground. And they find that each of their wives and their sons and their daughters have all been taken captive and this is what we're reading in this moment that they return to find this tragedy has struck their home and there is nothing that they can do about it but weep and lift up their voice because of the sorrow of their heart and so they begin to cry aloud and weep and they do it so much until there is no more power there to weep. Now, your situation may not have been the same, but I... I... I know that we can all relate to some moment in our life where we find ourselves in that place where where we're just wrung out. The the stress and the tragedy and the circumstance is too overwhelming, it's too much, and and you're just done. I'm ready to throw in the towel. I've wept all that I can weep. I have no more tears to shed. My, My throat is raw from weeping and crying, and I am just done. And that's where David and his men were at. And the worst part of this, if you go and you study and you look at it, had Saul obeyed God many years before and destroyed every one of the Amalekites down to the last one? David and his men would not be returning to a city to find that their homes had been burned to the ground and their children, their loved ones, had been scurried off to be slaves in another country. Saul's disobedience affected others. It touched Saul's own life. It robbed him of the throne. And it touched Jonathan's life. It took away from him the claim that he would have upon that throne. And now, here it is. It has touched David's life, his wife, and his. Children are taken from him. His home is burned down and the lives of David's men, they have lost everything in their loyalty to David. Because our disobedience has far-reaching effects. Our disobedience can have far-reaching effects and we don't know what those effects are going to be. I have a friend of mine who says often the will of God at any cost. And I like I like that statement. I like what he's saying. Until I start counting sometimes what that cost is going to be. But I know if I do the will of God, if I obey even though it's uncomfortable and it's painful in the moment, that obedience is going to get me a blessing. It's going to protect something that I love. It's going to do something in my family. It's going to do something for my life. And so it's in this situation, something outside of their complete control, an enemy that should have been dispatched long ago, that David and his men find themselves with weeping until they had no more power to weep. Scripture tells us the men became so bitter in their souls that they threatened to stone David. They were at that last moment. They decided, is it really worth this to keep serving this king? I believe David when he says he's called and chosen and he's anointed and he's to be the next king. I, I support him. I'm loyal to him, but this is just too much. And David is feeling the most abandoned he would probably has ever felt in his life. His own men are now turning on him, men that were just moments ago, days ago, in war and battle. They were faithful. They were loyal. They didn't question his judgment. They didn't question his leadership. But now they're ready to stone him. Verse 6 says, Now David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. This is, when your soul is grieved, that's, that's a little bit further than just having a little, you know, impact on your heart. That is being, you're grieved. And every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David strengthened himself in the Lord. He had no one to turn to. The men were against him. The ones he would normally seek out solace and wisdom and guidance from, they had turned against him. His children, his wife, that maybe he would go to them, they're always on his side. They they were not with him. They were taken captive. And so he had nowhere to turn. There was no one that could help him in this situation. He was powerless. He had wept all he could weep and now his life was in jeopardy. There was talk of stoning him. There there were men that had been loyal. They were turning against him. And so imagine the predicament that David finds himself in. See, when it seems like there's no one, and nowhere to turn. What we often do is we look at that circumstance and that situation and we throw our hands in the air, but we're not throwing them up to surrender to God, we're throwing them up in the surrender to the fear that has taken hold, or the the angst, or the frustration, or surrendering to the grief, or surrendering to the problem. We just say, I'm done. I have no more strength. I have no more power to weep. But if we'll turn to God, if we'll turn to the Lord, there's always a place where we can find strength. Job said, if it is a matter of strength, indeed, he is strong. Paul said of the Lord that his strength is made perfect in weakness. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul goes on later to say in verse 10, when I am weak, that's when I'm really strong. I'm surprised that it's in my weakest moments that I really find the strength to go on. But he didn't find the strength in himself. He found the strength in God, in the Lord. You see, your weakness is not your deficiency. Your weakness is not your deficiency. Your weakness is a place for His sufficiency. It's the opportunity for him to step into the mess and the circumstance and to strengthen you one more time that you could take one more step, that you can do one more thing for God. It's the opportunity for him to supply above all that you could even ask or think. It's an opportunity for him to do exactly what you need a sovereign God to do. Your weakness is not your deficiency. Your weakness is a place for his sufficiency. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches, not according to your strength, not according to your riches, not according to what you can do, according to his in glory by Christ Jesus. David had no one to turn to. When you turn to the Lord, you will always find the strength you need. You see, this was David's final test before going to the throne that God had promised him 20 years before. Just a very short while after this, David is going to step into that promise. He will be put on the throne. He will be the king. And it leaves me to wonder... What awaits us around the corner whenever we face times such as what David was facing where we're ready to surrender and give up and our strength has been drained from us. We have no more power to weep and we are grieved to our very soul. What is it that God is getting ready to do that declares and proclaims that we are chosen, that we are called, that we are His, that He will fulfill His purpose and His promise in our life. It's in that moment I start to wonder, what's God about to do? What's about to happen? I'm about to see a miracle. I'm about to see God do something that no one else can do. And whenever you take on that perspective and you start looking at your problems and your weakness, not as times where you're failing, but times where God is able to step in into the situation and into the mess and straighten it out you start looking at problems differently you start taking on what Paul said I I rejoice in my suffering I'm welcoming the struggle I'm welcoming the things that are going to be trials in my life I'm welcoming those things because I know in my weakness I am made strong What does God have around the corner of this time in your life? When you feel like you've lost the power to weep, you feel like you're at the point of failure, you're ready to surrender, what awaits you? If you just turn to the place you know you should be running to anyway and surrendering to the Lord and saying, God, I need strength, I need direction, I need an answer. You see, God restored to David all that he had lost at Ziklag, David called for the priest and he asked for him to surrender to him the, the, the cloak, the vest with the stones uh, that represented the tribes of Israel. And those stones were often used for priests to find direction from God in, in seeking counsel from God. And so David takes this, this vest and he begins to seek the Lord. He strengthens himself in the Lord. God, what should I do? I'm alone. My men are against me. Something has to be done. And the Lord tells him, you pursue. You go after the Amalekites. You overtake them. And you'll be given victory. And So David, having lost everything at Ziklag, God restores it to him. Plus, not only is that restored to him, but he has added to him the wealth of the Amalekites. Verse 20 says, Then David took all the flocks and herds they had driven before those other livestock and said they had them driven before those other livestock and said, This is David's spoil. This is what God has done for David. This is what David is coming away from this with. In a way, it's kind of like saying, Don't mess with David. David is God's chosen. Don't mess with David. The next chapter, Saul dies, and David starts his final steps toward the throne that he had been promised 20 long years ago. And I'm talking to someone today that you needed a message of strength. You needed a message of direction. That you're just you're beyond the weeping stage. There are no more tears to shed. You've wept all that you can. You've struggled as much as you can. You just feel like you can't go. The promises that God has given you, they seem like they're years in the past. And that they'll never come. Because it's been too long. Time seems to creep and it's slow. Strengthen yourself in Him. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Because God is going to fulfill those promises. God will restore unto you all that the enemy has taken. God will protect you. You want to know where you find your strength today? It's exactly what Brother Tam, when we know that there's no one else, there's no wine. So beautiful. No wine, no money. Was that the second one? I can't remember. Wisdom. And no body. All you have is the Lord. Turn to him. He's the answer. He's the answer. You'll stand with me. He's the answer for you today. Could you embrace that in your spirit? Could you just open up your heart? Let the Lord begin to speak to you. Maybe someone needs to be encouraged to the Lord, the Lord whispering into your ear, just keep going. I've got strength for you. I've got reserves. You didn't even know if it's a matter of strength. He is sufficient. He indeed can do it.